if you're watching a satire movie and you're like, hmm, that looks like the world we live in today, that's not a good thing. <laughs> that, that, that shouldn't happen. That, it's not, that's not satire. That's, that's how things are. How is that satire? That's not good. <laughs> You've crossed the threshold. Welcome to Idiot Block, a comedic podcast critiquing, discussing, and analyzing the media industry through reviews, debates, and historical deep dives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a mad as hell episode of Idiot Plot. I'm David Giannis. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Overdahl. Don't fuck with my distribution charges. And Justin Neitzel. They tell me you're a madman. On today's episode, we're going to highlight a movie that is kind of a forgotten classic, at least in my eyes, um, that's finally available on a, on a mainstream streaming platform. Hallelujah. That network. The 1976 classic. We're going to discuss our thoughts on it and kind of and break it down. But first, guys, the Oscar nominations are out. Ooh. <laughs> I know. It's that time of year, right, where we get to see all the movies all the that are supposed to be good that we haven't seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So look at all the stuff that... I mean, it's better than, than last year, which was a bunch of movies that you couldn't see. Yeah. And it's like, wow, these are really good. It's a shame I couldn't see them until, the, like, the Oscars are here or over. Yeah. So, like, in, like, looking at the list for a lot of these movies, you can see a lot of these movies right now. At least not necessarily in, not necessarily in, in a theater. Most of them are on streaming services or from streaming services. So let's break down some of the nominations. Let's start with the big one, Best Picture. So, for the nominees for this year's Best Picture Award are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Can I say one thing quick? Yeah. These are way too many nominees. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I saw the list and I'm like, wait, how many Best Picture? There's never been this many. Well, it's the Dark Knight. They've ignored the past couple years. Right. And this year, they like I don't know if they made it a rule or it was just like the talk, like the buzz the entire year was they were 100% going to use all 10. I, yes. I don't get it. Most of these stand no chance. Mm-hmm. That's the issue with it. I like sometimes I like it like in a stacked year. It's nice to have more, but I do miss the five just having five because like all of those movies have a chance when there's just yeah. five. Yeah. At this like point, this. do you think because I haven't seen this movie yet. So what do you say? They put Ted just because they're like up oh, West Side Story. We need to throw that on there because, <laughs> you know, it was already well, yeah. Oscar nominated winner. Well, it got good reviews. And I haven't I seen it, so I can't judge it. It's not going to win. The ones that kind of made the last spots, now one of them is like an actual contender, but like there were a couple spots undecided like going in. Like Don't Look Up, unfortunately, had crept up and like was pretty much a lock. But the two in the spots that were actually contested were Drive My Car and Nightmare Alley. There were a couple Alley. movies that could have snuck in in those two spots. Um, Drive My Car is, one, is a selection that people need to look at because no one really had that on and it slowly became like now it's like a front runner now it's like it's like an underdog but it, it might parasite its way into best picture yeah getting a best director nomination is very big for it especially considering when it got one over which i will complain about later but it's also one 
of those movies that the only thing holding it back was will they put it in because it's three hours long but everybody loved it and it's one that at one point was a front runner and then it's like oh it won't get in because it's three hours and now it's in so it needs to be looked at seriously as one that could like get an upset win yeah yeah drive 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 my car is a contender part of the dog is probably the front runner right now coming off of a golden globe is win and Be- belfast has a lot of momentum right now so that's like that's actually drawn closer part of the dog is still like the favorite but belfast is pretty close it's not like last year where nomadland just ran away the entire time which is boring <laughs> i think Lakers i mean it was boring to watch. also along those lines too where it's picking up a lot of steam yeah i would agree with that i would agree like right now as it as it stands for me the ones that are actually contenders are power of the dog drive my car belfast and licorice pizza i would also do i think it'll win no but i would consider dune kind of a fringe contender i wouldn't only because you know what, we'll just re- reveal it now dune didn't get a best director nomination and i think that killed any momentum it had yeah probably since part two is going to be coming out i think they'll that probably lower the rings it yeah i i agree on that for sure but unfortunately the academy showed their hand too early <laughs> in, in a sense <laughs> they typically um, do but that so being said, I, would, I do think yeah. this is a pretty good like there weren't any crazy unexpected ones like this is a pretty strong list minus don't look up yeah there's always gonna like when you have this many it's kind of been the trend recent years like last year it was promising young woman the year before it was joker there's always that one in there that's like why are you here <laughs> when you have joker this many nominated. nominees yeah so it's like there's a, there's always one that like stands out as like why the fuck is this here yeah that, that's... king richard king richard was was was, was odd it was expected but it's still kind of odd it, it's basically like for me it's it very reminiscent of the blind side kind of thing i think this one's a better movie but yeah or like the one that's like oh that was just like decent like the i think of like ford v ferrari a couple years ago where it's like oh that was like a movie people were like oh it's fairly good nobody but they have it. to get to like a certain number they they feel like they because now it's like you have to nominate certain movies Otherwise, people get upset. So they, which was the dark. Thing. It's probably so they could bring in all these people that are just like casual movie going. People are like, "Where's Spider Man? I want that to win Best Picture." But that wasn't uh, in casual movie people saying that. Like actual like film journalists want Spider Man to get a nomination. I don't know why. Thank God it which, didn't happen. Which, as I, I, I as you clicks. heard me say, it's it's not on this list, and nor nor should it be, in my opinion. Agree. Like I haven't seen all these movies, but I but I but I I don't think it was. Good enough no it's yeah it, it doesn't deserve to be anywhere near this list let's look at some other categories here uh for actor in a leading role we have javier bardem for being the ricardos bennett cumberbatch for the part of the dog andrew garfield for tick tick boom will smith for king richard and denzel washington the tragedy of mm. Macbeth. i want to say tick tick boom was i think a, a snub that i think some people thought was gonna get in i thought it was at this point too um i, I think people are kind of shocked that it's not but my guess is it wasn't going to beat west side story and so it didn't get in. yeah i think too yeah like the, they weren't going to put two musicals in there and that was kind of like you know there was competition for those last two spots and tick tick boom was one of the leaders for that so was tragedy of Macbeth. i don't really know why and then surpri- surprisingly it didn't make it but no time to die was actually getting a lot of buzz to maybe sneak in it was i remember that that was weird <laughs> yeah like real actual like buzz to to almost make it and you see you know it's represented in a lot of other categories but yeah it almost Stuck in, but, but, the, uh, but that one didn't. Tragedy of Macbeth didn't. Um, which at Denzel, for, I mean, like, he was kind of expected to get a nomination, but I've already kind of said I don't really think he was very good. Well, I think, I, I think we all know who's going to win this. I, I think it's obvious. 
it, it's Will Smith. Yeah. Lifetime Achievement it's, Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't even seen King Richard, but I can tell you right now, it's Will Smith. The buzz is too high. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, he's been the front runner this entire run. It's hard to see anybody. And, you know, it's not like there's any, like, other performance that everybody's going crazy for that could upset him. I mean, Cumberbatch is really good. It's not like an all-time performance, you know? I mean, people like Garfield, you know, but it's it's not enough. So Will Smith is, like, far away the front runner. It's too yeah, early say this to about... say, let's do locks. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny you say that about uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Denzel. It's like, I feel the same way about uh, Will Smith. Smith and King Richard's like it was all right, but it was like nothing spectacular. Well, you look at the nominees, and there is not performance on here that I've heard is like an amazing, masterful performance. I've heard mixed things about pretty much all of them. Mm. And and in Javier Bardem's case, the movie he's in isn't as good as some of the others. Like, as yeah, I'm glad that that didn't that uh, there was talk of that sneaking the best picture. I was kind of hoping it didn't because I don't really want to watch it. <laughs> but it's one where that's not considered to be that good but it's like oh the acting is really good so you see two, both lead actors are nominated in their categories but the movie's not anywhere else to be found yeah which which is what i think people kind of kind of kind of expected mm-hmm. um it's too early to make like locks i think oh, yeah. which we will eventually but still make locks but i think will smith is already a lock yeah he's the certainly the closest thing to a to a lock that there is and yeah i would be shocked if somebody else won everything else is pretty up in the air speaking of categories with locks already Actor in a supporting role. We have Siren Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog. This is Cody Smith McPhee's. Yep, that's even bigger luck than than Will Smith by a lot. Yeah, he's he's gonna win. He's won everything so far. Yeah, yeah. There's no dis- there's really he's, no discussion to be had. It, and unlike unlike at, like lead actor, I really feel this is one where I'm like actually like he was really fantastic and like. I have a hard time believing that somebody else had a better performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen part of the dog totally earned this Oscar. Well, it's always funny because um, typically the actor in a supporting role is like you know who's gonna win. Yeah, actually, yeah. They're usually the like the mm-hmm. big standouts because like they are on par with whoever's in the league. Well, last year's I remember there was some debate, mostly because um, wasn't the last year the supporting one wasn't that the one where both Daniel Kaluuya and oh, what's his name. Oh, uh, the other guy. Uh, they were both nominated, whoever. Yeah, from Judas the Black Messiah. Yeah, <laughs> that, but the two leads are nominated and supporting. Like Keith Stanfield. Yeah, like like the, like those two guys. So so that that the whole category was basically rigged. Yeah. He deserved it, but I'm like, okay, if if uh, Lakeith Stanfield's supporting, then who's the who's the lead? Um, going to categories now with with more, I think, debate in them. Actress in a leading role. We have Jessica this one's interesting. for the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for the Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for, for being the Ricardos, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. This one, I don't know. <laughs> like, I le- I legitimately think anybody other than Penelope Cruz. <laughs> has a chance to win. Yeah, like, I don't, I love Jessica Chastain in Eyes of Tammy Faye. I think, I think it's an amazing, 
amazing performance. Um, okay movie, like, like not the best movie as a whole, but her performance is incredible. If I guess right now, it's between Kidman and Stewart. Yeah, and uh, like people had, re- I think, really considered Kidman to be a big hit to win because they weren't sure if Stewart would even get nominated because the whole, her not getting nominated at the SAG Awards completely threw everything off because she did. was the front runner for a long time and then she didn't get a, even a SAG nomination. Everybody was like, what the fuck? Like, and then, but now she did make the list, so she should be considered a front runner to win because she was in the first place. Well, Kristen Stewart was being kind of Adam Sandler with Uncut Gems. I think people think for a while they were judging her based off her past roles, not her performance in that particular movie. Um, I haven't seen Spencer. I plan on seeing it very soon. Do that a lot. Yeah, they they, they act like they they don't, but but they do. But that's a category yeah. that's interesting to see where it is out. Um, Man, stay. Olivia Coleman can always win because she's Olivia Coleman. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, no, but that's true, right? She 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 has become potential just just because she she's become weirdly enough Meryl Streep. Yeah, I mean she's very good and she's always nominated, so she can always win. We have actress in the supporting role. We have Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for Part of the Dog, and I'm so sorry to this person. Um, <laughs> Anja Nui Ellis. <laughs> I think you were close. I do. I have. I have a speech impediment. You can't throw all these consonants at me. Um, well, it'd be nice if they just showed you how to say the name. Yeah, I wish I had pronounced her. So, so sorry. I don't enjoy else. Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. Uh, for, for 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 King Richard. Um, I don't know. Kirsten Dunst. Maybe. I, is there a clear front runner in this one? Not as far as I've seen. I mean, Kirsten Dunst was great. I mean, Judy Dench is is great in everything. I mean, um, Ariana DeBose. I mean, you know. She was well regarded for West Side Story. Um, I mean, everybody kind of seems like they they have a shot here. I want to talk about this next category pretty briefly. I just want to say one thing: uh, animated feature film. We have Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells versus the Machines, and Ray and the Last Dragon. It's gonna go to to Encanto, but thank you Academy for nominating Mitchells versus the Machines, which is the it true, should be the true winner. It didn't get category. Lego. Movie. Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't get Lego Movie. It got It won't win because everyone's obsessed with it with. Kanto. I will but say we either that, that or there's Luca, a I would dark think. horse. Yeah, the, I will say there is a dark horse in this category, which is Flea, because that's up for best documentary feature, best animated feature, and best foreign film. It's going to Encanto, dude. It's Disney. I know. <laughs> you always <laughs> bet on Disney. Well, that's why I also said possibly Luca, because that's Pixar. <laughs> right, but I said like if there if there is a dark if there is a dark horse in this category, I just think in at least I mean it'll. But I, best foreign film but in those other two categories I do think it's the film to watch out for because they clearly like it a lot it's up in three categories I'll have to look into this one I love animated documentaries yeah, it's an animated Danish documentary so it's up in three categories I, I, I don't know if people have seen Tower it was on Netflix for a while now it's on the Cartoon Channel but that movie is a masterpiece and it got similar attention. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested now. Cinematography. We have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Dude. <laughs> Dude, Dune all the way. Cinematography, but Dune technically should win basically every category. I will say, I, this is another one where I, like, I, I do think they might go f- like for Tragedy of Macbeth. That's like one that could win actually. It has yeah. the 
full style. That's just yeah. They, they just Do I think ever- it deserves it? No, I think both Power of the Dog and Dune are shot better. I was gonna ask you overall whether you thought thought about Tragedy Macbeth because I was like, uh, it's one of those weirdly shot movies, so that might. It's not weird. See, that's the funny thing. It's not weird enough. That's why it's not very good. So, like, the weird parts are shot really well, but there's not enough of them. So, I am a little surprised to see it. I mean, it, not surprised in terms of it was expected, but like surprised that it was a front runner because I'm like, oh, it was shot like well, but like it wasn't weird enough. <laughs> So, yeah, so typically I would skip this category just for time, but I need to say you. it just for one reason, and that's costume to design. We have Serrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, and Cruella. <laughs> I feel like that's Dune going to West Side win. Story. I don't know if Dune will win. It should win. West Side Story or Nightmare Alley are good are good picks too. I want Cruella to win just for the hilarity of it. <laughs> I always say West Side Story just because of the colors and everything. Thing. Honestly, I think Krill might actually have a chance now that I think about it. It actually might. It does because they're like, ooh, flashy dresses. I think like like I think production design should go to Dune, but like the costume or makeup hairstyling like that could go to like one of these other films like Cruella. Uh no, this is one we should get to because we haven't much talk talk about this one for a little bit. That's best director. Uh he did save this. <laughs> Nominees right now are Belfast, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, God, come on, guys. Ryusuke. Hamaguchi, that was wrong. That, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Sounds right. For, for Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, Jane Campion for The Part of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Where's Denis? Yeah, not listed was Denis Villeneuve for Dune, who didn't you, Alex, I think you told me that he, at one point he was like in the odds, he was like second to win. Yeah, he was a close second to Jane Champion all the way up until the nominees were announced. That's why when the, you see the snubs articles, he's the front face on all of them because yeah he was like a close second to Jane Champion to win and he's not even up. Which is I mean we, we think shocking. about like like direction right and how to be a good director. Making Dune work is such a feat. Like it was considered impossible still. Yeah it was considered like like no one could do it. David Lynch couldn't do it. No one could do it. And he did it. Well I mean he hit half of it. It's funny you say that because it's like he who directed Dune and made it work but then you have someone on here who remade a movie in Steven Spielberg. <laughs> is there. Um, that is, it's so upsetting, too, because like Steven Spielberg being on here upsets me for the same reason Bohemian Rhapsody being up for awards upset me. When Because everyone, remember when that movie came out, everyone freaked out because, oh my god, they remade Live Aid. <laughs> like, they reshot Live Aid. It looks just like Live Aid did in the 80s. Anyone can do that. We could do that we, if we gave us a budget. Yeah. Every cinematography course in college has an assignment where you redo shots of movies and, and redo real, real shots. It's not hard. It's not an accomplishment. Especially when you could look yeah. up a YouTube video and find the baseline. Yeah. He's, he's up because he's Steven Spielberg. And yeah, he's like one of the great directors of all time. It's cool that he's been nominated in how many different decades. He did not deserve it for this movie. He just re made a movie that already won Best Picture. Yeah, he just... And, and it, it's not like he changed the setting or or changed, you know, you know the plot, like kind of like, like Baz Luhrmann did with Romeo and Juliet. Like, he didn't, like, like change or that stuff. It's the same fucking movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's ridiculous. I know, yeah, now I really don't see anyone beating Jane Campion unless, like, we how, get that how drive Maguchi my car run. is an interesting pick. That... Yeah. Pe- 
People who don't know how to read Oscar nominations might be like, why is that important? It's important because it, it like all of a sudden I'll drive my car overnight now has a really good shot of winning a bunch of stuff. Like, like, oh, and this, and this is a really good tell. It means it's probably going to win. I mean, I mean, same thing too with internet with international feature film, right? It's going to win. Right. Like drive my car, flee the hand of God, Lunaha, a yak in the classroom and the worst person in the world. It's going to be drive my car. Why wouldn't it be? It's up for best fucking picture. If it's up for best picture, but doesn't win international feature film, then what the hell is the point? Yeah. And then why is it there? <laughs> if it wasn't the best international film, then why is the best international film up for best picture? So yeah, I don't win. I want it's to like what uh, Beauty and the Beast got nominated for best picture. And everyone's like, well, that's going to win best animation. <laughs> yeah. But well, so, no, animation was a category back then. All right. They made a category after that. Or what? Well, it, it, it took like almost a whole decade after. Or was it up? That was also nominated for best picture. Up, up, up was nominated for yeah. both. And everyone was like, well, up one best animated picture. Oh. It's also like, you know, the, the heaven with parasite obviously ended up winning the big prize, but also remember last year, um, another round, another round. How did I forget the name? Yeah. I, Cause that's a really good movie. Yeah. Another round was up for best director and best picture. So it was a, another round was not up best. for picture. Wasn't it was not, it should have been, but it, but it was not. Oh yeah, it wasn't, but he was up for best. Dire- what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> How was he up for best director? And it's not up for best picture. I don't have to say for promising young woman. I thought that was up for best picture. I want, I want to talk about one other category quick in detail because I'm, I'm so mad and that's editing. We have don't look up Dune, King Richard, the part of the dog and tick, tick, boom. Don't look up. should be nowhere near this category. I heard, I saw someone say something about that. It was like, it was like, it's like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody getting nominated for best thing. Yeah. So that fucking one. And it's the same thing. It's just, it's just cut, 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 cut. Dude, I cannot wait to dissect Don't Look Up. I won't do it this episode. I cannot. You need us to all be equally angry. Yeah, I, I can't wait to tear that movie apart. I get that people like it, and it's a difficult movie, I think, to talk about because what it's talking about, people are, are very passionate about. And, and like when I when I crap on Don't Look Up, I don't want to to attack people's passions. Um, it's just the movie itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just the movie itself. And and that's why I hate movies like Don't Look Up, because they attach themselves to these passionate topics of discussion and they use that to shield themselves from from any sort of criticism whatsoever. And it works. It works every time. And this is one of those. I think it's a nomination solely because of who the editor is because he's been nominated for Big Short and Vice. He also edited Tree of Life, The New World, Natural Born Killers, Nixon. So like this is like an editor who's been a well-known good editor for a long time. Doesn't mean he did a good job on this, obviously, but this is one of those where he's just getting handed a nomination. Um, let's talk about for one better more. Work before. Let's, let's talk about some other categories quick. I want I want to get going so we're not spending all our episodes on this. Um, but writing, adapted screenplay is Coda, Drive My Car, are doing the lost daughter and the power of the dog. Quick thoughts on this. Power of the dog is going to win. <laughs> I like, I love doing the screen is as re- screenplay is really impressive. Uh, you know, to adapt something like that again is, is very difficult, but that's more of an impressive feat in direction and as an overall film. So I think, you know, drive my car does have a chance to upset Coda's supposed to be very well written, but yeah, I think power of the dog is the one that has all those, like you said at the top, like all the complexities and has a lot of deep themes. And I think that's the one that's going to win. Right. 
writing the original screenplay, we have Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and the worst person in the world. Bel- Belfast probably is the front runner. I think so. Probably. Um, the Bre- Licorice Brand- Pizza, Don't Look Up, Be On Here Again is just wrong. Also, I will say, you know, kind of speaking of Belfast, so there are two interesting historical just kind of tidbits about the nominees. First is that, Ke- so with, now that he's been up for screenplay, Kenneth Branagh, believe it or not, has the record for the person nominated in the most separate Oscar categories ever th- in their career. Interesting. Because he's How been many? up for actor, uh, eight. <clears throat> the record of seven was held by Laurence Olivier and Walt Disney. Hmm. What, what, what are the categories? Do you have them? Uh, he's been up for actor for Henry V, director for Henry V and now Belfast, uh, picture for Belfast, screenplay for Belfast. Um, what was the other one? Uh, best supporting actor, best live action short film, best adapted screenplay. Dude, Kenneth Branagh's career is like so bizarre, especially now because like as of the, the it's recording, he has, he has two movies in theaters at the, at the same time. And Bell, one of them Belfast before the other <laughs> years before. Because <laughs> it's Belfast Death on the Nile. But like you look at his like filmography and like his critical scores for his movies, it's it's peaks and valleys. It's it's wild. It's really weird. He decided. Well, at first he was like, obviously he's not like the level of this person, but like he was kind of like new Lawrence Olivier, where he started with a bunch of Shakespeare adaptations, got a bunch of Oscar nominations for directing and acting for it and writing, and then went off a fucking cliff. <laughs> well, because he, I mean, because he right, because because he, 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 all those Shakespeare adaptations, he he he, 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 he Belfast, then did Murder, Murder on the Orient, Orient Express, which I actually like that. Also did Thor, uh, Artemis Fowl. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Just like really <laughs> weird choices. Live action Cinderella. That's right. He did do uh, that. Yeah, what a yeah. weird yeah, what a strange career. I mean now yeah, now he's coming around to award stuff again, but it's like it's very weird. Hey, I'll give him credit. He's turning it around. It's like he's still producing crap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, but like Artemis Fowl came out like a year or two ago. Like and that's, that's regarded true. as one of like the worst movies ever made now. I just don't think he should work with Disney. <laughs> <laughs> After you mentioned all those things, I'm like, okay, that was Disney. That was it. Maybe he just didn't work That's with Disney. That, that is true. I mean, Thor, Cinderella, Artemis Fowl. Thor wasn't Disney. Oh, right. At the time, it wasn't. Yeah. Thor, Thor, Thor was Paramount. And and. and I think he's technically in Infinity War too, which gave him some sort of sort of record. I think in the MCU as well. But he wasn't Dunkirk. He wasn't Dunkirk. He's not a lot. He he's a guy who I guarantee most people don't know his name, but he's in a bunch of shit. But you've seen. <laughs> but him. you've seen his face. Yeah, he's in Harry Potter as well. Oh yeah, I love that everything about Kenneth Branagh right now is he's in this. Oh right. <laughs> oh that's in right. That. Oh yeah. <laughs> I will say I plan on seeing Death on Death on the Nile. I want to do one fun story quick though, like Murder on the Orient Express. I like that movie. I'm saying this because she's listening probably right now to this podcast. But like my mom saw that movie and for like the following like tour to show you how about Ken, how, how Kenneth Branagh's filmography kind of is. We watched Murder on the Orient Express and for the next two years, maybe maybe even longer. Every time my mom would see would see that movie, she 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 would go, I really want to see that movie. <laughs> and she'd already seen it. I saw it with her after every time. Like, you saw that movie, mom. I was there. And she's like, oh, yeah. What happened in it? Like, there's a murder on the train. <laughs> there's a murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> I don't, I I don't know what happened. You. I will say also, real quick, the second interesting fact is that Licorice Pizza was made by MGM, which is the first time a movie MGM produced and like made themselves as a production company has been up for best picture 
since Rain Man. <laughs> when was Rain Man? Like 80s, wasn't it? Oh. We probably shouldn't talk too much about Rain Man. <laughs> I think you're qualified. No, I am. Hey, just because Jeff, just because our friend Jeff made that poster of me and Rain Man with him. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Oscars are Sunday, March 27th. We are planning on doing something for the Oscars, possibly a live stream, a watch party, so y'all can come and, and see the results with us. We're trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do for that. Uh, we have some ideas we've been tossing around. For sure, we'll have picks. For sure, there'll be bets, probably. And there'll probably <laughs> be stakes on on winners and losers. Um, so as long we'll, as I don't have to watch a uh, movie you had to watch. Yeah, it, 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 we'll, we'll have some prop bets and stuff, too. I, I plan on getting some, some vengeance um, on this. Uh, I, I will make one prediction, though, for this year's Oscar show, if I can. The, the, the awards will probably definitely be in the usual order that they usually are. <laughs> You don't think best actor is going last again? I I, I don't I, I don't think it is unless one of them dies unless <laughs> unless Will Smith dies between now and then I think I think it's fine. I hear I thought you were gonna make a proclamation that someone will screw something up and not and read the wrong name. No, see I feel like that will never happen again. <laughs> no, that was a once in a lifetime event, which was one of my favorite memories in college was me and you Justin watching that and then me because I. Because Alex, Alex, I think you I turned the TV off. Yeah, and we're and we're like, dude, go back, like turn it on right now. We're like, why? Like, just do it. And then half the freaking audience is on the stage. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, Oscars are coming up next month. We'll have all. We'll have our breakdown. We'll have our analysis. We 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 all plan to watch. At least I plan on while watching them all. I feel like we can all make the vow to do our best to watch them all. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the meantime, because we have like yeah. over a month, so we should have enough time. And you can find most of the movies available on streaming services right now. Not all the same streaming service, which sucks, but so they are the most of your credit cards and or <laughs> yep, activate a free money. trial, including one random Apple Plus movie because they hate us. Anyway, let's move on to today's main topic of discussion after that very long opening segment. Um, so let's move on to today's main topic of discussion after that very long opening segment. So we with streaming and stuff now, movies are much easier to, to, to find. I think we can all, all agree on for the most part. It's much more accessible to watch different movies. Unless you're but looking there for are a still certain, certain one and then it's on a different streaming service that you don't have and you're shit out <laughs> yeah. of luck. <laughs> which sucks, but at least at least the options are usually there, right? Which, which is better than having to go to a library or some random video store or something and hope that they have a particular movie that, that you want to want to see. Or a red box and hope they give you but the right movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or that. Um, but sometimes there there are movies that are not on a lot of streaming services or not easily available on streaming services. Um, Alex, I think you talk always talk about is it Judgment at Nuremberg is one that like yeah you don't have to buy it. But one of them, which I which I've been trying to get people to watch for years now, is Sidney Lumet's 1976. I'll call it now Masterpiece Network. Mm-hmm. It's finally available on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, you know someone who does. You can finally watch it without having to pay for for a rental even though i'd say it's even worth that um it's there now and we're gonna we're talk about it because i like highlighting movies people probably haven't seen or heard of and this is a it's a giant film back in the day won a bunch of oscars it's regarded as i believe the eighth best screenplay of all time but which I, might I, even I, be too America. low <laughs> was that alex which might even be too low yeah it might even be too 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 
It is a masterpiece, well-regarded by, by the film industry, yet it's basically forgotten now. There's not really a specialty release of it in, in the U.S. It wasn't available on streaming. So we're going to kind of talk about it, why why it's good. Or actually, I don't, I don't know what, what all your thoughts are on it, so maybe when you think it's bad. But, but we're, we're, we're going to talk about it and and highlight the, the, this forgotten movie. Because at least I would argue it's forgotten. Alex, I think you would for sure agree with me. I think, yeah, to, to an extent, it's one that's in a weird spot where, like you said, like industry-wise or anytime you look up lists of stuff, like best satire, best scripts, generally best films, like it's going to be there. But how many people have seen it that like I know? Zero. Like how often do you see it just kind of generally talked about online? Almost never. It's kind of similar to, I mean, to a movie we watched earlier this year, Amadeus, right? Where it's like it won a whole bunch of shit, but like how many people do you actually know that have seen that movie? Well, Amadeus is different because a lot of people were forced to watch it in middle school band class. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's one that I, I would agree that has been a little forgotten and definitely should be. Well, well, it didn't help that you see it on these lists, but you can't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. What good is network being put on the WGA's top 10 scripts of all time if you can't find it and watch it? Um, you got to take the, the word it, for it. Yeah, basically, in fact, the fact that it's not on HBO Max, which I thought it was going to be on right away, and in fact, it took almost two years of the service being up for it to be on there is shocking. To me. Um, I, it would be honestly, for once like this, it would honestly be nice to see. I, this is one that's been in the National Film Archive for so long. I think think that those films should be read, like readily available for people to watch. I, I would agree. I would Because if we think that, they're important enough to preserve in our national archive, then why can we not watch them? <laughs> I mean, film rights is such a messed up thing to talk about. Like, like it's so confusing mm-hmm. who owns what and who owns what and what country under what circumstance, right? Like, the, 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 this company owns it in, in, in Europe. This company owns it in the States. But this company owns it on Blu-ray in the States. And this company owns it on digital in the states like it's so bizarre that that'd be hard but i agree with you there's so you much get good an stuff ownership and you get an ownership and you yeah. get an ownership there should be some sort of I don't know, streaming service or some sort of way to to watch to watch the films on the art and in the in the archive um so network if you haven't heard of it and most of you probably haven't or at least you probably have heard the line I'm about to say which is i'm mad as hell and i'm not gonna take it in. i'm sure we've all the, heard that phrase that's probably the only thing i really knew about this movie before watching yeah. it. And some people, 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 don't, people don't even know it came from this movie. So what Network mm-hmm. is, is it is a movie about this Network news anchor. His name is Howard Beale. And he has low ratings. He's about to be, be canceled. And one day he goes on TV and says, you know what? They're canceling me. So I'm going to kill myself in one week on the air. And what that starts is this cycle of Howard's mental decline and the, and the, and the station using that as a means to boost their own ratings. Because he's up there saying a bunch of crazy stuff, call himself the mad prophet of the airwaves. And the station runs with that because people love it. People are angry. They're they're divided. And he's speaking to them. It's a a heavy critical think piece satire on news as entertainment and and, and, and kind of how how dark TV can go. It's it's an incredibly fascinating character piece starring amazing performances by Faye Dunaway, William Holt, Peter Finch and Robert Duvall, along with the record for least amount of screen time for Academy Award win Beatrice Strait <laughs> and Ned Beatty, who's honestly not far behind her in screen.
screen time. Yeah, and still got a nomination. Well, that was a weird thing looking it up. I was like, I, see, I would have figured like Peter Finch would have been more supporting actor than lead actor because it seems more William Holden's movie at times. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's such a that whole thing is such a weird thing to figure out how they figured out because like we talked about earlier, right? Lucky Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya both getting supporting. Anthony Hopkins got Best Actor for Silence of the Lambs when he's only in there for like ten minutes. Uh, Brad Pitt getting supporting for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, <laughs> like like stuff that seems weird, right? That it shouldn't be. I don't know how they decide it. I, honestly, it's the fact that we mentioned several different scenarios through the decades. It's like I don't even think they know. They, they might not. No, it's changed a lot too because it, it used to definitely be more common to double nominate an actor because the last time that happened was Amadeus. Yep, and, and Network was it was it was a double nomination for mm-hmm. Best Actor because it was William Holden up against Peter Finch with Peter both Finch. Amazing. With Peter Finch winning, obviously Peter Finch is going to beat William Holden. <laughs> William Holden's fantastic, but Peter Finch, uh, who won posthumously because he died before the film, I think he even came out, gives one of the best performances of all time. Oh yeah, yeah he does. And so honestly, so does Faye Dunaway. Like I think that's one of the best performances by an actress ever. Oh, yeah, she's incredible, and and she gets everyone. We we do, when you bring up Faye Dunaway, everyone always brings up Bonnie and Clyde. I know why. <laughs> <laughs> like as like as like the top of her career network is such a goat tier per- mm-hmm. performance i was gonna say i think she's better in this than she is in bonnie and clyde oh i agree by by a lot yeah, yeah this is just like an all time shot she has so much energy in this movie like just just manic energy mm-hmm. of, and she does a like very good she job just, she does a very good job of being likable even when she's doing like these very manipulated shit yeah like you you understand her even though her her character is super manipulative and crazy but it's like right like she's been the whole point right like she's like raised by tv that's all she knows like all she knows is tv and more ratings and you know more viewership and do whatever it takes yeah her her character is completely detached from reality she because her character is, well, I've seen the movie, which is most of you, is the network exec that basically is propping Howard Beale up as he as he goes through the the, the mental health crisis. She she's the one pushing him further and further down. Um, as as because she's I think she's she's heard of network programming for for the fictional UBS station, and she basically wants to blend news in to fictional programming into normal programming. That that's her her goal. Um, Which is, I now that that's common practice. At the time, it was so unthinkable that reviewers called it unrealistic. And yeah, now it, it's common now practice. Now we're living in that reality. Well, and, and with her character, too, not only does she blend it in her work, she blends it in her own life. Like the whole, the whole genius of her performance to me is her constantly bringing up that everything in her life is like this moment in a TV script. Yeah. It's like yeah, a soap opera. It's, it's like a relationship, like a script, right? Like the, this shouldn't happen in, in the script and it, you know it's funny because every time I've, I've seen this like three times now every time i start watching i'm like the romance subplot is well written but i i don't know how well it connects and at the end i'm like it connects perfectly because she views it like a tv show but it's not yeah she she she, she, she can't think and emote in real life terms in in real actual like human emotion it's it's insanely well written patty patty chayefsky who we talked about i think last week a little bit yeah his character writing is so incredible 
struggle with this movie. This movie is like it's a weird, it's like a character study, but it's also not like a character study. It's it's kind of bizarre. It's it does it things that only satire can do. It kind of yeah, it manages to feel very like grand in scope in terms of like the satire and its targeting, and makes like the whole scenario feel huge. But it's also very focused and character targeted. Like it's very, it also feels it's, very zoomed in. It's very grounded. Yeah, yes. while being completely utterly ridiculous and ho- simultaneously hilarious in scary ways. Yeah, it's. I think I think it was Aaron Sorkin who said that that network is scarier than 1984. It has a bleaker, darker depiction of our future than that movie even does. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because I th- and I think yeah, Sidney Lumet before before he died was quoted as saying the only thing in the movie that hasn't happened yet is it's obviously spoilers is uh, is someone being assassinated on the air. Yeah, and and that's I think what hurts the impact of this movie because people watch it now they're like, what's the big deal? Because this movie kind of predicted that we have angry people yelling at on on the, the news station editorializing news stories right they're not saying the news they're saying their their opinion on the, the news and we're giving and their emotions to it yeah mm-hmm. and we become more attached to personalities versus the information which at the time like you said alex was like the bleakest possible outcome yeah it was you. considered unthinkable and unrealistic somehow <laughs> and now we have i mean sean hannity rachel maddow alex jones like it's it's commonplace not necessarily in, in like local news but like you, you go on cable news mm-hmm. and it's and the news sites that you find anchors. at the airport yeah basically the stuff you watch once when you're waiting for for, for, for a fight it's all it's all editorialized it's all opinion mixed with fact um and, lot, and lots of angry fear-mongering and yeah i mean just the pre the prescience of it like not i mean not only was that not happening and not happening in cable news cable didn't exist <laughs> cable did not exist when this movie came out yeah and it, it also has too what I, what I think of when i watch it now is it has how being bought out by certain companies is also affecting the message that's being told on the air mm-hmm. because at first they've been bought up by this new company that then turns them over to programming because they want to maximize profits and that company gets bought out which affects even more of what he could say on the air and not only that that company is being bought by a foreign power. Yeah. Which which sparks Howard Beale to, to, to go off against that merger only to be converted to support the, the, the merger when his and you will atone. Such a good damn scene. <laughs> Such a good scene. But it distorts that message, right? Like, like his whole state of derangement, if you can call it that, keeps getting manipulated and formed by those around him. You have William Holden who is playing Howard Beale's friend, uh, Max Schumacher, who's trying his best to basically keep not only keep news news, he's the he's news director of UBS, who he's trying to keep news news and not under programming. He's trying to keep Howard Beale from going completely insane. Well, he's like, he doesn't want to put him on the air. He's like, I don't care about ratings. I care about my friend. And he loses. He loses that fight. It's, and it's I the other, the other like quote related to that too, like is also in that office scene. But when he says, right, like there's no America, there's no democracy. There's only IBM and ITT and AT&T. Yep. <laughs> It's it's a shockingly dark and powerful movie that I think even though it's our reality today, we still need to look at it and watch it with the lens of this shouldn't be okay. 
Eh. Um, and it's still over the top enough that like even now knowing how much of it is our reality like first just knowing how long ago it came out is important but then also some of the extra stuff is still so ridiculous yet accurate like it's still absurdly funny like having like a fortune teller on the news program and stuff like that is just like it's it's still very funny one scene we should, we should, we should, we should talk about Alex which, I, which you, you have said to me multiple times is one of your all time favorite satire scenes is the scene where so Fidelia's character one of her big subplots in the movie is she's trying to have this show where she follows this communist I think you can probably call him a terrorist group yeah or, yeah. or some form of criminal communist oh. organization where she's following the, the, them around as they commit crimes telling their 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 story and there's this scene where all the lawyers are talking with the, with this group discussing who gets what for royalties and payment. Yeah, and there, I mean, there, yeah, there's a literal commu- like communist military terrorist organization negotiate in intense contract negotiations, yelling about distribution charges and and how much they're going to get paid for syndication. It's so funny. It's so ridiculously funny. And the guy like shoots the gun in the air. Give <laughs> <laughs> the fucking over under claws <laughs> <laughs> like it's such a ridiculous scene but it plays into what what the themes of the movie are which is everything becomes scripted like everything becomes fake becomes it becomes tv yeah and it's yeah at that point it's influ- influencing like rebel or terror groups and like what they're doing because well it's got to be in the script it's like when you tell and, you know how everyone you know if, if you boil it down they're you know they're in this case they're negotiating for money like how you know how much power money or viewership are those things have well it's like when people find out reality tv is fake it's like wait what yeah <laughs> yep exactly yeah and this was this existed before reality tv <laughs> yeah right, it's, right? Every, but it's kind of like that yeah, yeah and, and talk about like tv's influence over it right because you're doing it because you have the the communist party of america is now in it to make money which is <laughs> funny in, in 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 a dark sense um, but, it, but it shows, I think it shows the influence or the fear that people had of the influence of TV. Because because like you go back to like the 70s, even before that, when we think of film and TV now, we think of them as like together with this weird like symbiotic relationship, right? You have TV spinoffs of like every movie, you know, you have film actors and TV actors are like the same thing. Mm-hmm. That was not always the case. Yeah, like back in what, the 80s or whatever, when being a TV actor was like a death sense for a movie career. Well, this is the seventies too. Like filmmakers hated TV. They hated it with a passion. They, they thought it was stupid with no artistic merit and could, it had potential to, to do the things like the movie said it would. And sadly, the movie prophesized a lot. Really? Yeah. A ridiculous amount. <laughs> and and I think some would say that that kind of lessens the impact because it's no longer a dark foreshadowing. It's not just what we all know, but that should make us more terrified, right? Yeah. That I was going to say, it should scare you that this movie was made back in the 70s and now it's kind of like it's pretty much reality now if you're well I, th- I think too what like keeps that impact from doling is that ne- it's gone from like you know this could be our future the fact that it's now our reality is the movie also because it's such a great script and a great film like it also talks about the consequences of that that you can see in your own life and in people around you and you realize the, the consequences that have happened as a result of this movie being right like if you're watching a satire movie and you're like hmm that looks like the world we live in today that's not a good thing <laughs> <laughs> that, that that shouldn't happen that it's not that's 
satire. That's that's how things are. How is that satire? That's not good. <laughs> You've crossed the threshold. And that is one thing, I mean, Alex, you and I have talked about a lot with this movie, is just how damn good that screenplay by Patty Chayefsky really is. It's flawless. Like, yeah, if you want, like, a, a class on writing in, like, two hours, watch this <laughs> right? Like, watch this movie. It's a perfect script. Like, there's not a second wasted. The pace is fast. It's funny as hell. Every character has depth. There's so many deep themes. The satire is perfectly on point. It's ridiculous and still feels grounded. Like, there's not a single bad thing you can say about this script. I can say one. Mm. Maybe the characters go on very long monologues or speeches a little too much. Yeah, I would agree with that. I wouldn't say there are any that don't like fit. Per- like, I-, I can't think of one that doesn't fit the moment, so. I just think that the movie is made up almost sometimes too much of that. I think... But that said, um, the dialogue is so fucking good in those, it's kind of hard to say they're bad or wrong. I'd say probably uh, Howard's like first big monologue on the new show or whatever kind of seemed like it went on a little bit too long. But other than that, yeah, I thought the other ones were pretty good. Well, I, I never say Howard's ones were bad because that's like the best parts of the movie, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. I just I was thinking of one of Howard's that was kind of like it kind of went on a little too long for me. Well, to, to, to me, it's more of like 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 the scenes between Fidelway and William Holden are just each character has a monologue, like monologue, oh. and she he has a monologue, then she has a monologue, then he has a monologue, then she has a monologue. He has a monologue to his wife, and then it, it, some 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 sometimes that that can be be a bit much, but but the, but but the, it's so well written. I can't like say it's bad, right? Right. It could have just been cut a little. Um, and and partially, I, I think the the writing is how people like Beatrice Strait got an Oscar for this movie you know she's she, she in for five minutes and ten seconds I know it's hard because like I'm like that was it's like so short it's ridiculous and then I see that scene I'm like yeah I mean she's really good in this scene like <laughs> it's hard for me to argue against it I mean obviously Ned Beatty like I, I'm not gonna argue with that one he's too good in that scene <laughs> <laughs> that's a one scene Oscar that's like a hundred percent deserved that nomination that's just, I mean that's one of the most famous scenes that's like the only other quote you hear from this movie right besides that I'm mad as hell. Like you will atone the you will atone one I have heard before. Yeah, I, I, I've heard, heard that too. So look, look, looking at the Oscars for this movie, it was nominated but lost for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor William Holden, and Best Supporting Actor Ned, Ned Beatty, along with Best Cinematography and Best Film Editing. Although. It won Best Screenplay written directly for the screen or original screenplay. <laughs> best Supporting Actress for Beatrice Strait, Best Actress for Faye Dunaway, and Best Actor for Peter Finch, who, like William Holden, in any other scenario, gives an Oscar-winning performance. But he's up against Peter Finch in the same movie who gives a better performance. Imagine having to choose Best Picture between this, All the President's Men, Taxi Driver, and Rocky. Was that this year? Yeah. Yes. God. I was just and looking up Glory this year. Glory is there. <laughs> like like the answer is yes to all like right like like who should yeah. win yes yes <laughs> yeah i was just looking up, so that's up this oscar to see who was all nominated and i'm like all of a sudden you read enough the names like oh shit <laughs> yeah like this is literally i said this is like top 10 probably top five script of all time for me i don't know what i would pick for best picture between this and all the president's men like that's, that's such a good movie that's such so that's like how, how difficult this is so like that's why it didn't win more and I think if it had 
had been released and nominated in a different year, maybe it wouldn't be as forgotten as it is. Maybe it is because that year was just so absurd. That's possible. Well, you also got to look at the other factor is it's an old movie. It's a 70s movie. People are like, that's old. I ain't watching that. Granted, it's not black or white, but people are still like that, you know? I, I, I wanted to argue with you about that, but I've seen people that say that, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to say it, but it's true. But I do think in that same year, right, like more people watch Rocky and Taxi Driver than they do all the President's Men and Network. I, I would agree. But because but then, right, you are getting that resistance to even 70s movies with, with people now that they're, those are now too old, too. But I <laughs> think also, the, also what, what helps those other movies, though, is you have um, Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro, who are still acting today. And then, yes, the Scorsese factor with Taxi Driver. Sidney Lament is just as good of a director, almost. Like, those two are two legendary ones, but Sidney Lament isn't around anymore, and Scorsese is still making hits. Yeah, yeah. and Lumet, I mean, he's made so many hits, right? Like, 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 because he did 12 Angry Men, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, dude's, dude's goat tier. Yeah, Dog he, Day he, Afternoon. You never hear him talk about Up With The Greats. Yeah, I mean, 12 Angry Men, Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, <laughs> Network, The Verdict. Looks like the first murder on the Orient Express. Which yeah, is a that's great right. movie. That's a great movie. That, that's a really good movie. That's way better than, than the Brano. Yeah, because it's like that one where he just has faith in the script and he doesn't add any action or anything. He's like, he knows, and you see it in this movie because we've talked about how amazing the script and the acting is, but the direction doesn't get enough attention because I don't know if there's anybody ever that's better at directing scenes of just dialogue. He's so good at that. He's he's one of the best directors of actors I've ever seen. Like, look at 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. It's just 12 dudes arguing for an hour and a half. And it's amazing. That takes skill. Yeah, and it's like, regardless of like how good the script he's getting is, which in, in both these cases is like all-time scripts, but he gets the most out of the actors every time, and he makes scenes of just people talking really damn tense. Like, it, in network, there's always that, like, the just like the zooms and like the close-up, you feel like uncomfortable in all of these moments. This might be a hot take. It's almost more difficult to direct movies that are almost all dialogue than it is to direct big action films. Yes. Because I, I, you, I have agree. To, you have to make the dialogue interesting. Not just because because a script can be really good. If the blocking, if the shots, if the actors, if not if everything else doesn't work, it ruins that script. You because also, people aren't going to care. They're, they're going to lose interest. You also need to cast the right actors. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think Peter Finch was like a big name ever, right? No. Like he's like, like he, he was like, I think a well-known character actor, but he was never like big. And here he comes in this movie, his last big role wins an Oscar because he's perfect for Howard Beale. He can get the crazy parts down perfectly. But you could even say the same thing about Robert Duvall. Like it's like he's been in like tons of shit, and it's like, but he's not like talked about as much. But he always brings it, and he always looks like an old man in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what's interesting about him in this movie, right? Like when I think about Duvall, I think about how he's very controlled in Godfather and he's like a little bit of, you know, he's kind of eccentric in that small bit he's in, in Apocalypse Now. But in this, like he's yelling all the time and he brings so much energy. It's a very out of type performance for him. Is he the but one it's that like says, perfect. Is he the one that says like, I want like a big titty show or something like that? Yeah. 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 He's like, it's a big, big titted hit. <laughs> <laughs> Like such a, because he's the reserved businessman of this whole. That's ordeal. Tom Hagen. That's Tom Hagen talking about big titties. Because <laughs> he gets, because like he's like, because he's supposed to be like the businessman of this, right? But he's like also the one that gets 
almost so into it and into the fights like him and William Holden fighting head to head clashing because he wants to make money. He wants full control. William Holden's like, get shit, get fucked. I don't care. <laughs> That's um, a, I think William Holden is kind of, you know, you said like uh, more of a character actor like Peter Finch who had like his big role in this. William Holden is like the veteran actor who probably doesn't get talked about enough now, but like he was kind of the star anchor to it. Right. Well, I mean, he was in so many hits. He didn't, he didn't get talked about much now because the stuff coming out about him isn't always great. <laughs> like about his, like his personal life. He, he seemed like he was a real asshole to work with. Probably. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he tormented Faye Dunaway on the side of this movie. I, I think I saw somewhere when they were making it, like they couldn't even be in the same, 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 same room together. Yeah, here we go. There was some, con- this is from the Wikipedia article on network. There was some concern that the combination of, Faye, of Holden and Dunaway might create conflict on the set since the two had sparred during an earlier co-starring stint in a towering inferno. According to biographer Bob Thomas, Holden had been incensed by Dunaway's behavior during the filming of the disaster epic, especially her habit of leaving him fuming on the set while she attended to her hair, makeup, and telephone calls. One day after a two-hour wait, Holden reportedly grabbed Dunaway by the shoulders, pushed her against the soundstage wall, and snapped, you do that to me once more, and I'll push you through that wall. Jeez. (laughs) Which, I mean, not great. However, if you want a performance in a movie like this, getting two people that hate each other, not a bad idea. I, that's what bringing up baby did. <laughs> not bringing up baby shit. Oh, um, whatever Jane. happened to baby Jane? Yep. Bringing up baby was a very fun set. Not like whatever happened to baby Jane. <laughs> not to crap on William Holden with that story, but like I, I've heard that not. I should I should reiterate William Holden from what I can see was never like me to it or anything. Like not anything that bad. Just sounds like he was very volatile to work with in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. So I don't. I mean I don't think that's why he's forgotten. I think it's mostly that and like. Like he's usually in the movies he's in kind of the anchor character and there's someone else with the very flashy performance in it. Like, I mean, Bridge on the River Kwai, I mean, it's Alec Guinness. <laughs> even though he, William Holden is also in that. And Sunset Boulevard, obviously it's not him, even though he's the lead. Yeah. <laughs> but he's definitely at the flashiest performance in that, which was, uh, no, that wasn't, I was, I'll look I her that was Sydney Lament for a second. Like, no, Swanson. no, it's Billy Wilder. But that was, uh, what's his name? It's Billy Wilder. Yeah, Billy Wilder. Yeah, yeah. He was acted by Glorious Swanson, because of mm-hmm. course, because because of course he was. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best performance by an actress ever. So, <laughs> like, and then he goes up against the second best performance by an actress ever, probably in Dunaway. So it's you do that's you do get outshined a little bit. That's a well claim you, you you just subtly made. I think I think I, pro- I it probably is bold, but I mean, the, the, to me, those are the two best. You think Dunaway is so good in this? Like, and in Patty Chayefsky with this movie writes Faye Dunaway as a female character in a movie. Better still than most writers write female characters now. Because you still see some of that stuff everyone talks about like, like in film class, right? She's hot but doesn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she, she 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 talks with this veracity, but she doesn't know she's she's being like like I think she knows I, she's I, hot in this movie. Like she she <laughs> she uses it because she's like she when they uh sleep together to so she can get ahead or manipulate him or whatever, she's like she knows. And it, but that's like a, a human portrayal mm-hmm. of an arguably inhuman character. Um, yes. And it's it's something that he is consistently good at because, I mean, he came up recently 
because of Marty. And in that movie, that's an unconventional female lead in that movie. That's actually unconventional and is like a lot different than you normally see. Who's like actually not like in the teen novel way. It's like actually a very average person in every way. <laughs> like she just kind of wants to go about her business. She's very, very normal. Nobody's really going after her, but but Marty does. And Faye Dunaway in this movie is just plays it plays someone who's completely insane. Yeah, and that's somehow still relatable. But, but and and that I think is one of the best parts of this movie is Howard Beale is portrayed as the crazy one, but kind of makes the argument that they're all kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. That they're all that and that in some ways Howard Beale is more grounded than the rest of them, even though he's really not. They, because even William Holden, like, want. yeah, I mean William Holden knows what he's doing is crazy. He knows that running after uh, Faye Dunaway's character and doing all this stuff is stupid and it's gonna blow up in his face, but he does it anyway. So he's that his own kind of crazy. Well, he writing this book, he, right? Writing his book on the good old days of television. <laughs> well, even he even tells his wife that he's like, "Do I think it's a smart move? No, but I'm going to continue to do it, and I don't want to lie to you." So yeah, he almost feels trapped in this weird TV cycle, like the rest of them. But he knows he's trapped. Mm-hmm. Faye Dunaway acts like she's not trapped, but she is. Howard Beale doesn't know what the hell is going on anymore. Well, he loves he's it, seen right? the face of God. He's propped up. He's like, I'm just going to have fun, or not fun, but just I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and people love me. I've seen a visage. <laughs> Yeah, like that, like that, that, that scene. To me, everyone talks about like you know the the oh you get mad scene as like as Peter Finch's best act in the movie. To me, it's the scene where he's walking to the meeting with Ned Beatty's character and Robert Duvall's character is escorting him up the stairs, <laughs> right? Like they're in public, and he's just screaming. He's just coming up the stairs and he's like, "I'm the problem," you know, like all this stuff about 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 America. And people are looking at him like normal. He has this big smile on his face, like the. The, the character has become completely unaware of what he's doing where he's doing the, the TV bit in real life confirming that it's not a bit right he's really just that crazy and like needs help yeah that's the, that's the day point too is like he desperately need, 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 need help and no one's giving it to him and then so spoilers for a spoilers for almost 50 year old movie um when when the time comes and the ratings go go down but they can't get rid of him because the network loves him they decided <laughs> to murder him and I think this time especially I love the scene where they decide to do it because like you think it's like an off the cuff mark that they'll all laugh about and then maybe someone will go oh no really he's like well I guess we'll just have to kill him nobody laughs nobody laughs and they all immediately take it seriously yeah I'll admit they I all immediately are I, like I, how are we gonna do it I laughed then I was like oh right it's satire <laughs> it's like yeah you like laugh like you and you think the characters are gonna laugh too and then they don't and you're like oh shit they're actually gonna kill him yeah like even A like Robert script would have one guy go ha ha oh wait you're serious you guys are serious about this we can't do that they're all like okay how do we do it (laughs) yeah yeah, this movie they're all like shit i can't give anything better to do but like robert duvall's characters is like i'm gonna kill him gonna pale him with a sharp stick through the heart (laughs) take out his contract on him hire professional killer strangle him with this (laughs) this sash cord or whatever like oh or or when like they start to like rationalize a bit and robert duvall's like i want to hear the other voices in the room if it just goes let's kill us on the 
of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's one of the best endings to a scene. Like, let's kill the son of a bitch. <laughs> like, it just, it's so kind of, it's like business as usual, right? Like, like to me, what that scene gets across is the implication that this might not be the first time they've had this conversation. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, and you kind of um, get that so. from the fact that she's like working with these terrorist organizations to get like live footage of stuff and everything. So it's kind of like she's she's had her hands dirtied before. Yeah, and they want they want a better lead in for the show. So a better lead in to have the characters from her terrorist show kill him on the air. Yep. And the one guy gets away. I love how the one guy on camera like shoots him by all these people in the studio and he gets <laughs> he gets away. Because <laughs> I got away. It, but that's funny. Like, oh, the news is like, oh, and he escaped. Which that scene, the scene of Howard Beale being shot on live TV, in my opinion, is one of the best edited scenes of any movie ever. Mm-hmm. It's so wild, uncontrolled editing and then cuts, which which the movie has done in the past, right? Every time. So Howard Beale does his on-air bits where he goes up and he does his big speech and he passes out every time. And the camera immediately zooms in on it, like rushes in, zooms in on him, and the, and the, and the show ends with, with, with applause over his, you know, lying body. His lying unconscious body. He gets shot and they do the same exact thing. And then the movie ends with 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 the uh, video board that you would see on a news station. While the news station is talking, talking about them as the end credits roll on just a still shot of Howard Beale lying there. And they have in some of the other networks, too, it has like the advertisements that are playing and, yep. you know, another anchor talking about it. And then, yeah, there's just him lying there. Yeah, it's it's so incredible with the movie. And, plus, and, and then you, you, you get what might, what might be the single greatest ending line of dialogue ever, <laughs> which is this was the story of Howard Beale, the only man. Well, I think it's exactly right. The, the, I think it's the it, first man. It, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the first. Yeah, the story of Howard Beale, the first instance, the first instance of a man who was killed because he had lousy ratings. <laughs> like absolutely perfect way to end that movie. And then and it ends with like with like the, the news theme again. Like it's it per, per, perfect post production. Um, which I mean, I love this movie. I, I think you know I criticized I criticized it in quotes earlier. I still think it's perfect. I, I still give it a five out of five every time I see it. It's it's yeah. so damn amazing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, the, to me, this is like watching it again. It's like, oh yeah, this is like without a doubt like five out of five. I will make one comment though because we say it's forgotten. I, I, I'll say this for the end. There was a stage play adaptation done a few years ago that that I wanted to, to, to see on Broadway but just couldn't because it's on Broadway. Um, but it was like this weird like Broadway show that was like half live show, half like live cinema, they called it, Um, of, of the script. With in the Broadway show, had they had Titania Malzani as Fidenaway's character, Tony Goldwyn as William Holden's character, and as Howard Beale, Brian Cranston. That's pretty good. Which I don't see it topping the movie, but damn, I I, I want to see Brian Cranston as Howard Beale live. <laughs> yeah, especially like to see the seeing the show intro live or something would be a lot of fun. With Sybil the Sister. With 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 like the xylophones going or whatever the heck yeah. those are. Well, like, God, crazy, it's such a good such well, a just the crazy you got with uh, Brian Cranston and like Breaking Bad. I mean like seeing him do stuff for with like Howard Beals kind of stuff that would be a lot of fun to watch. He's the perfect if you're going to redo that story either in play or movie or whatever Brian Cranston is probably the perfect person to play 
Howard Beale. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, him and Peter Finch are like very similar. Like they're just like seeing them talk and like the you know their voice, like the way they act is very similar. Yeah. That 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 that's good casting on their part. Um, I'm honestly kind of surprised that this didn't lead to a remake of the movie. I kind of expected there to be one. Um, because we because he did that play where he was LBJ all the way. And that became a movie. I was kind of expecting um network to go the same way i feel like that would cause a wga strike (laughs) (laughs) remaking network (laughs) maybe because it's not satire anymore they're like well people won't get it (laughs) why why would you do that now you'd have to do like snapchat news i don't fucking know well i guess i guess for me doing it as a play i'm okay with that that Mm -hmm. makes sense that that, that's doing it different right That, that 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 is taking the story doing it in a different way remaking the movie just seems wrong because it's just especially because you're because no one's gonna change Pachayevsky's script right like no one wants to touch that mm-hmm. like 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 if you're the screenplay if you're the guy who accepts the job of rewriting network like the WGA is probably going going to banish you like the bottom <laughs> of the Zing, um, but are you gonna you remake Casablanca next <laughs> like, like no one not everyone wants to be Steven Spielberg and just remake movies that, that they love we love them why would we want to remake them especially because like network still holds up like like the it's been pretty well preserved over time like the, the, the film stock and audio has been pretty well preserved it doesn't look bad um the sound is sometimes off on the, on the stuff i've seen from it on certain transfers i've seen the sound can sometimes be a little muffled yeah but there's no reason to remake this movie mm-hmm. if you want to remake movies go back and look for stuff that it didn't win get nominated for oscars find like something that was one or razzy or something with a good idea <laughs> well, well especially with i think the only motivation to to remake this movie is is so you could have brian cranston play howard beale it's the only reason why i don't think that's it, good enough reason I, I think a play would would work better just for that reason not remaking yeah, the movie yeah mm-hmm. and brian cranston did win, win a tony so he was definitely well liked for his performance i mean he it was award-winning uh, and obviously it's going to be right especially if it's the same dialogue mm-hmm. i mean hell anyone that can perform that dialogue is going to win awards every time definitely helps your case tatiana milzani as diana christensen is an interesting choice yeah i mean i i can see her doing well i mean nobody it's also like yeah no nobody's going to be faye dunaway but like <laughs> i think she's a good actress well that's because faye dunaway like took that dialogue and made it her own like, like the howard bill stuff is so good that i mean yeah Peter Finch is gonna is gonna be amazing, and no one's gonna really be able to top him. But other people can can do it well. Faye Dunaway's performance. That's all on her. I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean that's one of the greatest actresses of all time. Yeah, like the, 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 like she she did a lot of the legwork. I will say, I really wish that this movie, if anything, if anything, had some sort of specialty re- release because right now it doesn't. It has a base that you can buy pretty cheap on Amazon, and that's where you probably have to go. T- to buy it you're not going to find it in most stores if any store especially now that most of them have gutted their dvd sections yeah. if, it, if it had like a criterion which i don't think would happen because wb has it but like if wb did one of their big specialty releases for it instead or something like that i i think it's one that would also kind of get in the film circle discussion more again if it had one that was like flashy well arrow video has the rights to it in the uk and they made a specialty release of it which has an amazing cover um but yeah, that's, really cool. it's not in the state which Arrow is big in the UK. They're starting to kind of get into t- 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 
the U.S., but not with any other big films. I think RoboCop's like their biggest U.S. release. While in the U.K., they have Network, Battle Royale, which we talked about in the podcast. Like they have big ones over there. They they get big, flashy releases. This and this needs one. Like I love a Criterion. I don't think it's going to get a Criterion. I think it it will get an Arrow Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe even a Shout Select. But but I think it would it would sell fast and it might get it in the discussion again. It would it would sell crazy. And honestly, I haven't bought this movie on Blu-ray yet because I'm waiting for a specialty release. That's never going to come. (laughs) I'm like, I might just give in and then have to buy it twice, which is already happened to me with Elephant Man. 20 years later, I'm still waiting. I'd still wait. I mean, I think it's interesting because Warner is very, they seem to be very particular with who they give specialty rights to. And they haven't always been that way, but now they love to do things in-house. Obviously, Citizen Kane getting a Criterion 4K and Blu-ray recently is a... That's pretty shocking, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a new new, new trend for them, and it's pretty big because because they haven't done that in such a long time. Um, But I don't see that really changing anytime soon. I don't see any reason to believe that we're going to get a network release yeah because warner's kind of done less of them i mean they have the nice 2001 4k um but like back when they first started putting these out on blu-ray they did a bunch of really nice ones like i mean they they had a, a bunch of kind of book style ones they had the citizen kane box set they had like a bunch of like really good releases and then now they've kind of stopped and they've been like oh we're releasing best years of our lives on on blu-ray for the first time here's the disc <laughs> it looks really good but it's like it, it's just the, the, the case and then the disc well see i think that it's more of a trend from everyone when it comes to physical releases now. Mm-hmm. If you want a nice release, you have to go to a specialty company that does those exclusively. But any other time now, it's just it's just a box and a disc that might mm-hmm. have bonus features. It probably doesn't. Yeah, unless it's like Godfather, good luck. <laughs> or even Warner. Even Warner, Warner, Warner has gotten worse because I've gotten some sets from them uh, for their animation. I got their Tom and Jerry set and their Saturday morning cartoon sets, which are like the big ones that have like all like their it's like compilations of their compilations basically mm. but what they've done is they've so like so like the Tom and Jerry one is the three spotlight collections combined together but it's not like they they just took the old discs and put them in new packaging they took the the shorts from the from those three sets and just evenly spread them on new discs so what you get is this bizarre hodgepodge mix of three different DVD sets Frankenstein together into one on th- on three discs where they clearly just put as much on each disc as each disc could hold and it shows oh it's all compressed yeah yeah oh. yeah it's all compressed uh aspect ratios are all weird um it's it's not great <laughs> it's but i mean people seem to be going away from physical media and it sucks i mean we're probably gonna there's there, there's good and bad from this good we're gonna get probably some more specialty releases of stuff and there and we're gonna see like boutique ones with because as companies want to do less and less DVDs and Blu-rays and 4Ks, they're going to hand off to to companies like Criterion, Arrow, Shout, that are going to do them themselves. And so we're going to get probably some nicer releases of stuff. The bad news 
loses, that's eh, probably all we're going to get <laughs> after yeah. a while. I think if there's anything good to be said right now, I mean, the fact that, you know, as far as like network going forward, the fact that it's on Max for the first time, it's n- it hasn't been anywhere for years. So like... The and I believe it's, it's on the front page of Max. Oh, I didn't see that. That's good. Yeah, but like, it might get, you know, it, it might get some talk, you know, it might, people might watch it more, you know, people are more likely to watch it now, obviously. So it might get a resurgence because, you know, it's, it sounds too hopeful, but I mean, that's literally, you know, when you think back in the days of running movies on TV, that's how, and that's how Citizen Kane became big, right? That's how tons of films that weren't, that weren't as popular when they were released got like reevaluated on TV. And now we're seeing that happen with streaming where something pops up and then suddenly everybody watches it and then suddenly it has a huge following again. I'm hopeful. I am not, not just for network, but for other films that are in the similar boat. Like I, I, Amadeus is in that boat right now. Amadeus is like nowhere. Or it's not like Pluto or Tubi or something. Depressing. It was on Netflix for a while. Yeah. But it's and not. I bet, yeah, if Netflix or, or Max put it up, like that's one that I, I know would get like, everybody would be like, this movie's great. <laughs> well, really what they need to do, which someone needs to get a restoration of the Amadeus theatrical cut and put that on streaming. Definitely. Because that like, would cause cause chaos. Yeah. And I think the, the director's cut, I mean, like it looked good, but it's not the best looking remaster. Like it should look better. The coloring is a little off, but like, yeah, it's kind of in need of a, a remaster. And then, yeah, actually putting the theatrical cut on something other than the original DVD would be nice. <laughs> I I have an interesting thing I want to do. I want to end the show with. So as we mentioned earlier, Network is on the, the Writers Guild of America's 101 Greatest Screenplays list. I want to look at the other ones in the top 10 because, Alex, you said that it should arguably be higher. It should. And I know exactly which one it should it should be above. So it's, so I'm going to pull up the list and I'm going to have us talk talk through this list. Yeah, I don't remember the A full list, bit. but I, I, I know I believe I know the top. So so top 10 starting from number 10 is The Godfather Part 2 at number 10. Not number nine. Some like a hot number eight network. Number seven, Sunset Boulevard. Number six, Annie Hall. Number five, All About Eve. Number four, Citizen Kane. Number three, Chinatown. Number two, The Godfather. And number one, Casablanca. Teacher. Ooh, I know. I know. Let me guess. No, can I, can I, can I, can I predict? Yes. Chinatown is way too high for you. Chinatown should not be on this list in any capacity. (laughs) I think I just, I think I just got blacklisted from the WGA. Chinatown's not a good script. No, when you say it's not a good script, are you saying it's not as good as they say it is, or that it's just it's not good? Period. I don't think it's good. Period. Okay, in- interesting. Justin, do you have any thoughts on this list? I don't know. I'm not the biggest screenwriter person, so I, f- I feel <laughs> like, like anything, couple- I feel like anything I would say. Kind of, I think I don't know. I, I kind of feel like Citizens Kane's is a little high, but interesting. Oh no, nah, no, that should that that should stay for me. But I, 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 I like have that. to. I'd have I'd have to rewatch it again. For that movie, a lot of that movie, I don't remember quite a bit much of the screenplay as I do like the uh, camera techniques and everything that they used. That's fair. That's yeah. Fair. Honestly, that was me the first time I watched it, and then the second time I watched it, I it was like all about the script. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But yeah, the first time definitely what caught me was like all of the techniques they invented. See that? See, I've only seen it the one time. So like I said, I'd probably have to rewatch it again. But I think for me, there are a couple of ones that like besides, I mean, Chinatown. I just don't like it at all. But there are some in there that are good that I would definitely not put over network. Like so, All About Eve is really good. That's a really good movie, a really good script. I don't think it should be above Network, Sunset Boulevard, Godfather Part Two. I'm surprised Annie Hall is so high. I would agree with that too. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Casablanca at one makes sense. Godfather at two makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, you know me. I would I would put Godfather at one, but like, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with Casablanca. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that movie's incredible. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, that's one of the best scripts ever. Like, that could stay there. I mean, I, I I love Network, but I also love satire. That's my favorite genre. Like, obviously, my my, my, my favorite scripts will be satire scripts. Oh yeah. Speaking of, where's strange? Where's Strange Love on that list? Strange Love is twelve. Okay. Yeah, I was like, that's gotta be close. Which which is interesting because I believe. Strange Love is the number one Kubrick script on this list. Oh, huh, yeah, I guess. Oh, that is when interesting to think about. Like, would I say that's his best script? Probably. There are multiple movies. There are a couple movies I have ranked even higher than that. I mean, it's way up there, but like, would I say it's his best script? Probably. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean that it, it was an interesting discussion because we, I mean, we did we the whole episode on Strange Love. People want to know our, th- our full thoughts on the movie. But when you think of Kubrick and you think of his writing like strange love i think is like his best writing probably yeah and i think because I, mean, I think 2001 also has a lot of fantastic themes there's some really good writing in there but i mean that movie is completely made by his direction yeah exactly we also have just some highlights of the top let's go top 20 for some highlights of here finish of this episode so 11 was butch cassie's Sun, sundance kid 12 That's was fair. strange love 13 was the graduate 14 is lawrence of arabia 15 is the apartment 16 is pulp fiction 17 is tootsie 18 is on the waterfront 19 to kill a mockingbird and 20 it's a wonderful life <laughs> all right so i do actually have one there i don't even know if i've said that i've seen this movie but i do have there are a few in there i'm a little surprised aren't higher but there's like one, I, I'm surprised it's not there at all. So I do think The Graduate should be higher. Okay. Maybe. But like, that's hard because there's so many good ones right behind it. And you know, like Lawrence, part of me feels like it should be higher. But honestly, I feel like that's right where it should be. I mean, it's in the top 20. Mm-hmm. That's another and, one and, where like the script is incredible that it is also made by its direction. Yeah. Y- 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 Lawrence, to, to me, when I think of Lawrence, I don't think of the script. I think I think of the direction. I think of the, the skill. Great script. Really good script. Themes yeah, are so amazing. Think, Doesn't make the movie, though. Yeah. Wow. I think, so I think that's a fair ranking. The one I think about for like script that, I, that we discussed is To Kill a Mockingbird, and I, that was one of my one of my favorite books we read or read in school. Yeah, and that's a that's a fantastic movie. That's a fantastic script, and so is now that I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, like definitely deserves it. I mean, what doesn't? I've seen On the Waterfront. I have seen On the Waterfront. I've I don't know if I've literally ever talked about it because it's very okay. <laughs> it's entirely that movie is entirely. I know this is like a classic this is a classic movie that I just think is okay because it's entirely made by its direction which is very good it has some iconic shots it's very well shot and I mean Marlon Brando I Marlon Brando is incredible in it the actual script is really other than the fact that it actually gives you a look at like unions and like workers unions at a time where movies didn't the actual story and characters and everything are very generic See, with the exception of the line I could have been somebody I could I was a contender there instead of being a bum everybody knows that fucking line i do have a hot take i want to say quick i don't know if to kill a mockingbird deserves to be on this list it was a book i think it's the missing script it's because of the book it's not because of the script it's because the book is fantastic see i thought that i was thinking the same thing that's fair because there are ones like i mean like the godfather's way up there but that's very you know like that's much different i yeah, don't i've read the, the godfather's to kill a mockingbird book is very close to the book different. right so godfather deserves it but yeah. like in this case you're saying because it's so close to the book exactly it would kind of be like yeah i mean right like lord of the rings being up there you know like fantastic script 
in fact, a lot of the most famous lines from that script are like invented by the writers, but like it's hard to put it up there knowing what it's based on. Yeah, like like to me, putting the Kill Mockingbird on that list is giving credit to the wrong people. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking that, but I wanted to talk about it since it was on the list, since it was there. I think I mean I love that movie. It's a great movie, but that's not being really fair to Harper Lee. <laughs> or, or maybe it is. I don't know. Well, to okay, be fair, I know, I mean, okay. this list says who it's written by and it based off the novel by Harper. So, I mean, yeah, which is fair. It gives credit where credit's due. There is actually one on here that's in, that just looking at it in the in the 30s that I actually want to complain about. What's Ooh, that? Let me try because oh, wait, 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 hold up. Just what was that? I was going to say, I was going to try to guess which one it was. So, yes. one I think should be higher. Okay, guess. Usual suspects. Oh, 30s. He, he said 30s. No, that is. That's a 35. Oh, it is? Oh, it's it in, the, a 35. Oh, in the 30s. Actually, I was going to complain about that. I was going to complain that Usual Suspects was here above Reservoir Dogs. I was going to complain about that. So, Dan, which so, one do you think I'm going to complain should be higher, David? Well, you, well, you, you, you said Usual Suspects, right? That one's good. No, he, he, he guessed. He he guessed that. I didn't confirm yet. Oh, you said, I mean, you love that movie. No, Third Man. Sweet Smell of Success. Damn it. Because the Third Man, I agree, is one of the best ever. But that's like, I feel like the screenplay ranking is fair. It's one of the best scripts ever. It's also like some of the best direction ever. But like Sweet Smell of Success is like, it's like network in that it's like a master class on dialogue. Like there's a whole bunch of quotes from that you don't know are from that movie. <laughs> like if you look up the quotes from that movie, you'll be like, what the fuck? That's like a common expression. I will say that Usual Suspects being on this list at 35 and Reservoir Dogs not being anywhere near it makes me upset. See, you know, man, I'm I'm going to agree that Usual Suspects should be here and should be high. Yeah, yeah, I know that you will. I love Usual Suspects. I like Reservoir Dogs more. I'm comparing them because they're very similar movies. Yeah, and I mean, that, that it does surprise me a little bit that, that Reservoir Dogs isn't here, although they might be like, we can't do too much Tarantino. <laughs> otherwise, half of this would just be Tarantino. So they chose Pulp Fiction. Yeah, looking, I mean, looking at this list, it's a lot of what you'd expect. What should be? Back to the Future. Oh, I think it's fine where it is. Where Where is it? 56. I think that's fair. Yeah, you can make the argument to be a, a little higher. I think it's fair, but I it wouldn't surprise me to see it higher, especially like, I mean, seeing Fargo so high, not that Fargo isn't fantastic, but like, I would probably put the Back to the Future script above it, honestly. I think the Wild Bunch should be higher. It's at 99. I'm just glad it's here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just glad it's here. Speaking of William Holden from that yeah. one, dude, him and Wild Bunch, so him and Ernest Borgnine together, God, so good. But there's nothing like shocking on this list. Mini Princess Bride being on this list is kind of surprising to me. Also, am I am I wrong or is the most represented person on this list for Coppola because he also has Pat, he also wrote Patton? He might be. Charlie Kaufman's on here a couple of times, I see. Don't know why. People love Kaufman, dude. I know, I don't know why. Yeah, see, that's that's the other thing that'll get me banned from the WGA if they find this tape is is that I don't like Charlie Kaufman except for Spotless Mind. <sighs> have you seen um, Anomalisa? I have not seen that yet. Watch I thought Anomalisa. you liked that. Okay. Watch Anomalisa. I just need to watch the taste of his last movie and of being John Malkovich out of my mouth. How is Amadeus <laughs> slower than Star Wars? Okay, yeah, now you've upset me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm good. Where's Amadeus? Oh, fuck. 73. 73. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> 
Yay. I want to feel the rage. It's below Jerry fucking Maguire. Okay, that's funny. That's just funny. Oh, Lord, that's awful. I love that. But I mean, yeah, there is a lot like when you see this uh, there with like a couple of exceptions like that, right? Like if you think Silva, there is a lot on here that's really hard to argue. Like I'll be like, how is this not higher? And then I'll look above and I'll be like, OK, yeah, I can like it does surprise me as much as I like it that Butch Cassidy is so high, but it's a very good script. I'm just surprised it's at like 11. Anyway, I'm going to click on facts about the film for network. Grapes of Wrath. Never take a bath. So here's an, see, that's another facts. one based on a novel. Yeah, that one's kind of made by the direction. I mean, it's John Ford. So I want to I want to end with some facts about network provided by the WGA. So these are some facts that they have about the movie that I think are interesting. The only music heard in the film comes from commercials and television show themes. That's something I love about 70s movies. Honestly, there's not filler music. Well, there's music that needs to be there or it's like in scene. Like they're not afraid of like using silence. And Sidney Lament was big on that. Like they're not afraid of like quiet moments. But I honestly never would have expected that. Upon being the first cut of the movie of the film, MGA slash UA execs said Chayefsky memo noting how many times executives expletives such as ass, son of a bitch, and a dozen or so other choice words were uttered by the actors. Chayefsky dismissed the memo and kept the language, saying that's how network types talk. All the, all the expletives made it into the movie. In later years, Chayefsky said he wished he'd curbed the language some, that upon further re- reflection, it was too much. I think it works. It works perfect. I never, I mean, I, I guess it's a thing with like our current viewing sensibilities, right? Like, I feel like there's not the that much language in it. It certainly all fits the scene. Um, oh, sweet. So the, the WGA website actually has a, has a page of network screenplay on the website. Oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll look at this. <laughs> Which I'm sure they have it for all the movies then. Yeah, because um, yeah, I mean, you you can also go to the, if you go to like the physical WGA, you can, you, you can't leave the building with it, but you can read any script that has ever been produced. That's, why didn't we do that when, when we were in LA? I don't know. I think we just ran out of time and like we were like the only ones who would have wanted to do something. Act- I mean, I live in LA and I still haven't done that. <laughs> I still haven't been there. <laughs> I want to, I want to end with some clips about network. I mean, not clips, some some quotes about network. This is from Howard Godfrey. It's not that Patty objected to people discussing his script. He just felt it shouldn't come from the guy in charge of business affairs. That was from Howard Godfrey, Chesky's producing partner. Uh, this is from Norman Lear, famed television producer. This is not a satire. It's a documentary. <laughs> and from Gore Vidal, I've heard every line from that film in real life. And Honestly? And- <laughs> And to end, I have a quote from Chayefsky himself on the Mad as Hell speech. Everyone knows, right? The speech where he mm-hmm. <laughs> tells everyone to go out their window and say, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. He says, I wanted everyone, every man, woman or child to realize that they had a choice. I want them to know that they have the right to get angry, to get mad. They have the right to say to themselves, to each other, to the world at large, that they had worth. They had value. The, the speech wrote itself because that was Bill's battle cry for the people. So so with that, guys, final scores on that. I think it's a masterpiece. It's one of my personal favorites. I get it five out of five. I also have it at five out of five. I would agree. It's. I mean, you recommended this to me what, like two years ago now. And More, yeah, it was like three or four years ago now, probably. And yeah, honestly, every time I watch it, it gets better. So it's like absolute classic masterpiece. Like I'll, I'll be watching it many more times and still think it's just as good as I do now. I also gave it five out of five. Yay. Yay. It, it actually took me quite a bit 
because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go four and a half or five. And I was just like, but like all my complaints were like literally like nitpicks. So I was kind of like, I got to go five. There's like, I, there's no objective reason why I shouldn't give it a five. Honestly, this is when I think I, I started at four and a half and then bumped up to five. And now it's like a six. And, <laughs> you know, like there, there are those ones that just kind of stick with you. And that's what happened with me in this movie. So I get where you're coming from. Like I was mm-hmm. in between as well. Yeah, like, because it, it, was just, it was just like, because I've always, I've always known about the big I'm mad as hell and everything kind of like after that moment because it happened so early there than I thought it would I thought that was more near the end that it kind of, like the movie kind of slowed down from there so I'm like well that's my own objective prescriptions going or whatever going in so I was like well, I can't really dock the film for that so um yeah which is true I mean that's how I felt I watched it once in my cabin the first time I watched it was it was in what was in my family's camper we were camping up, up north and I was bored so I put it on in the background while I was doing stuff and I was hooked immediately because I got from like, like the library I'm pretty sure and I've loved it ever since I'm glad we can all finally all watch it now because it's on HBO Max and I'm also glad we all agree <laughs> so we don't have to fight we don't have to get angry I need you to get up <laughs> get out of your chairs oh the window yeah. open it up and <laughs> like, is like to such me such a good scene it's such a good scene it's an important scene and to me this is one of the most important movies ever made like mm-hmm. it is a must watch everyone should watch this watch, watch this movie it will make you think more about the media landscape that we currently live in um and and might scare you in ways that you weren't expecting mm-hmm. one thing i just want to say it's about that ble- scene, it's like scene it's like it's beautifully written but it's also beautifully acted because he you just he looks estranged he looks crazy and it's just like mm-hmm. everything's just so perfect in that scene peter finch mixed with sydney lumet just incredible um but with that we we're taking for a long time this episode so i'm gonna wrap it up there thank you guys so much for for listening like we said uh network is available at hbo max as of this recording and should be there for a little while past i would hope max has had some weird stuff like that before where movies are there for like a month or less but i'm hoping it's there for a very long time i implore you go watch it go see it it's an extremely important movie uh and when you do let us know what you think let us know the comments on youtube or on our social media we we want to hear back from you again thank you so much for listening um steven janish for justin and that's all and that's overall thank you so much for listening to idiot plot and we'll see you next time thanks for listening to idiot plot you can find us on spotify anchor fm google Podcasts, and youtube be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get a notification every time we drop a new episode Also, follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd. The links are in the description.